Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey there, everyone. Joshua Fisher here, one of the producers of the Believe Podcast Network. We have another awesome roundtable for you guys of the NFL. We have the NFC South today. We have a bunch of awesome hosts jumping on to represent some NFC South teams. We have Taylor Davis of Believe in Auburn Football and Believe in Gymnastics jumping on to represent the Carolina Panthers. We have Joe DeLeon of Believe in FCS Football jumping on to represent the Atlanta Falcons. And then we have Chris Lewert and Sam Maxwell, both of Betting Los Angeles, Believe in Betting Los Angeles. Chris is on the Saints and Sam is on the Buccaneers. Great stuff by everyone involved. Really hope you enjoy this one, guys. Here we go. We sitting here. I'm supposed to be the franchise player, and we in here talking about practice. Clock at five. Pass is intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler. Rebound box. Back out to Allen. History final. Tie game. Gives it to Jenkins for the championship. He's going for the corner. He's got it. Bases loaded. Two out. Before we get into the show, we got to remind you guys that we are brought to you by betonline.ag. Okay, go to betonline.ag. You can bet on the quarantine food challenge they're doing right now. It's a bracket challenge with all the big names from Major League Eating. Joey Chestnut, Matt Stoney, Eric Badlands, Booker. All of them are in there in the bracket doing a bunch of food challenges. So go check that out. Uh, You can bet on American Idol. And, of course, the NFL Draft. You can bet on the NFL Draft. That's this week. So go do that. Go to betonline.ag. And with your first deposit, get a generous welcome bonus with the promo code MYPOD100. All right, guys, here's the show. Enjoy. Hey, everybody. Chris Lewert from Believe in Betting LA. I'm going to be discussing the New Orleans Saints today and kind of the offseason's move, moves they've made and what I'd like to see from them in 2020. God willing, we have a full season. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I've got kind of an easy one because the story begins and ends with Drew Brees, right? Drew Brees is back. That's all that really matters. The guy's been there forever. He's a legend. Took a hometown discount. He's actually only the 12th highest paid quarterback now in league salary, uh, despite probably being one of the three or four best quarterbacks. Because he's back, because he's got that rap court with Sean Payton, he's still got Kamara. He's got all the offensive weapons he needs because he knows everybody so well. Michael Thomas is one of the three best wide receivers in the whole NFL. Uh, I think he had over 115 more catches than the rest of the entire state's offense combined. So how do you solve that? You bring in a guy like Emmanuel Sanders. Mm -hmm. Sanders, 33 years old. They paid him 16 million for two years. That's guaranteed. That's pretty fair, I think, for a guy like Sanders, who he disappeared in the playoffs, may or may not be his fault. Garoppolo might not be the best quarterback in the world. He thrived with Peyton Manning, right? So Breeze is is very much in that Peyton Manning mold. He's that good. And when Michael Thomas is playing next to you, you're going to be outstanding. Um, I think this is a real chance for them to get a great deal. I think this is them a chance for them to shine offensively. God willing, everybody stays healthy, of course. They re-signed Andres Pete um, at guard. He can also play tackle. He was a little injured last year. I think he was out for four or five weeks with a broken forearm. Mm-hmm. But his versatility and on the line is is a guy that you really like um, that can play multiple positions. And as somebody who played line in, in high school and college, it's paramount importance to have that rapport with the guy next to you. So I think that's why they paid him. Um, it was $33 cool. million guaranteed. That's a ton. But 
it is what it is because this is their window, right? The Saints yeah. are playing for the next two years. That's what they're doing. And so that's why they're putting that money out there. Nice, man. We were just going for little intros, but you, you went full guns blazing on that. I love <laughs> it. All right, just jump the gun. All right. Uh, that was the first question right there. Uh, so we'll go to our next host. Uh, so we want to kind of just – I'll go back to you in a second, Chris, um, and kind of ask some questions on that end. But if everyone else could quickly introduce themselves uh, so we know who's talking, what show you're from and who you're repping today. Uh, I'm up next, Joe DeLeon with the Believe in FCS football podcast. I'm going to be representing the Atlanta Falcons, who were seven and nine last season. Awesome. Next up, what's up, everyone? This is Taylor Davis uh, from Believe in Everything Auburn. As is that someone's phone? <laughs> no, that was my doorbell. Sorry doorbell. about that, guys. Okay. I don't know. Like a grandfather yeah. clock there. I'm I mean, like, my grandpa's house. Part of my language, but who the hell rings a goddamn doorbell anymore nowadays? Oh, Just leave the food. I'm not like. <laughs> I'm not going to answer no the door. I know, no dude. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I'm going to start that one over. Yeah, go for it. I'll cut it out. All right. What's up, everyone? This is Taylor Davis from Believe in Everything Auburn, as well as Believe in Gymnastics. I will be representing the Carolina Panthers today, talking all about the major moves for this organization that started all the way back to last season. Obviously, a lot of focus on this draft for a team that is trying to rebuild. Awesome. And last but not least, who we got? All right, guys, last but not least, this is Sam Maxwell. I'm from the Believe in Betting LA podcast with Chris Lewert. The co-host uh, is on the other side of the division today. I'm repping the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, or Tampa Brady, as the trademark was mm-hmm. last week, who were also 7-9 to nine, uh, in the NFC South last year. Lovely. NFC South, all of a sudden, one of the most competitive divisions. Chris, you went into your team's offseason right there. Uh, a lot of money thrown. They threw money to Emmanuel Sanders. Um, to kind of get that complimentary piece because Michael Thomas is an elite wide receiver in his own right. And when he's on, you're correct in saying that there's really no one that can guard him. And that's why his Instagram handle is can't guard Mike. Uh, he's just that damn good. But they have to get a complimentary piece. They do that. They go out, get Emmanuel Sanders, pay some of their other guys. And now they're looking in the draft to add a couple final pieces because they are, as you're saying, in win now mode. Everyone else, what was your favorite moves of the offseason? Joe, we'll go to you first, man. The Falcons were a couple years removed from a Super Bowl appearance where they almost had it. The most famous blowjob of all time. They blew it. They blew it right then and there, man. It was terrible. All right. Where do the Falcons go from here? It's been a bit of a a disgraceful fall for them. Seven and nine, like I said, last season. And it just seems like they're continuously underperforming, have one of the most underrated, if not one of the best head coaches in the NFL, but still continuously hovering around that, that 500 mark. They didn't really make a ton of, I, I would say, huge major moves that made them incredibly better. They did make moves for big-name players. Dante Fowler uh, Jr. Edge from the L.A. Rams was probably their best move that they made. Three years, $48 million. He's pre- uh, graded pretty favorably by Pro Football Focus. I uh, was given 72.1, which really puts him in that, that top half range. But letting go of Vic Beasley, who took a step down since that Super Bowl season, Bringing in Dante Fowler is a slight upgrade mm-hmm. and a slight step forward. The other big major move that, that came for the Falcons was adding Todd Gurley, which you could argue getting rid of Devonta Freeman and then bringing in Todd Gurley is just swapping one injury-riddled running back for another. One is a, a lot more explosive when he's fully healthy, but Gurley, big-name power there. He'll at least put some people in the seats. Great. Yeah, Gurley, it's a high-risk, high-reward situation over there. Yeah. Um, I can't believe you gave Dan Quinn so much credit right there. I got a couple of college buddies from Atlanta who, who would beg to disagree <laughs> right there. I hear it all the time. But listen, he, again, he got in there recently. He's a great defensive-minded guy, and hopefully a guy like Dante Fowler Jr. can make something happen, and they do something at the 16th pick, and we'll get into that in a few. Taylor, crazy offseason for the Panthers. They bring in one of the best coaches, in my opinion, in college football. Um, what else do you love with that they did? My goodness, there have been so many moves. The reality is the Panthers are entering a completely new era. This is a total revamp for this organization. Like you mentioned, starting with a whole new coaching staff, a first-time NFL head coach in Matt Rule, Joe Brady as the offensive coordinator. I think you could see some really unique, innovative stuff on the offensive side of the ball. But 
almost all of your staple franchise guys are no longer there. It started with the departure of Greg Olson, the retirement of Luke Keekley, now, of course, the release of Cam Newton, which made waves here in Charlotte, I can tell you that much. Uh, James Bradbury, Gerald McCoy, this Panthers team is going to look completely different. And that started with the coaches and it's continuing through the roster. The best thing that has happened so far was the extension of Christian McCaffrey's contract. I really think that this guy is going to be what this team builds around. Mm -hmm. He is incredibly special. He gives versatility to Joe Brady and that offensive side of the ball. You match him with Teddy Bridgewater, who I think could bring a new spark to the offense. The focus goes to the defensive side. We saw it all last season. They were abysmal against the run, and I think that is going to be where they poured the most into come draft. Absolutely. What was crazier down there in Charlotte, the retirement of Luke Keekley or the release of Cam Newton? What was the bigger shock? You know, I think – Gosh, they were, it was awful, both of them. I mean, like the fan base is so connected to both of those. Mm -hmm. They're both kind of synonymous with the Panthers. You go to a game, the jerseys are all Newton and Keekly jerseys. So to come to terms with the fact that those guys won't be out there is difficult. But I think there was more of an understanding when it came to the retirement of Luke Keekly. This is a guy who has played hard physical aggressive football his entire career and yeah. his health was most important to him so i think there was more of a piece associated with that one the cam newton release i mean you were getting different opinions yeah. every second and and that was a very hard decision but it was one the coaching staff really felt confident about mm -hmm. and to take cam newton a quarterback change going to tampa bay sam what if I had told yeah. you guys that in 2015, right, Jameis Winston's the first overall pick, Cam Newton's just come off losing to the Super Bowl but winning the MVP award. What if I had told you guys that neither of these guys would be in the division in 2020? How crazy would that be? Sam, what's going on in Tampa Bay? Can my man, Tom Brady, I, my heart says he can't, but my head's kind of, you know, wishy-washy. <laughs> what's happening in Tampa right. Bay for you, man? Look, I mean, uh, Tom Brady, I think a lot of people forget that uh, he's going to be 43 when this next season, whenever that may be in the fall, begins. And so Tom Brady has been defying logic for, for a long time, really mm. his whole career after being a six-round pick out of Michigan, uh, but especially in the last five years as most people tend to age and fall off that cliff, uh, such as Peyton Manning did a couple years ago. That one comes to mind when he had a, just a dreadful final season. Uh, Tom Brady has defied father time, and so Tampa Bay – as you mentioned, brought in the offseason's biggest prize and potentially the biggest free agent prize in NFL history and bringing in Tom Brady. And while he took those uh, team-friendly deals for years in New England, he gets a fully guaranteed two-year, $50 million deal with the Buccaneers. He signed that deal back on March 20th. The deal also comes with a full no-trade clause. So we're going to see Tom Brady in Tampa Bay for the next two years. Whether that remains to, is a good thing or not remains to be seen. Uh, it's easy and natural for Bucks fans, I think, to get excited. Seeing Tom Brady come to Tampa Bay was shocking for, for most people across the league. Um, I don't necessarily think this improves Tampa Bay as much as people tend to think. It's really easy to remember all the bad that Jameis Winston had last year. Uh, and admittedly, there was a lot. He obviously led the league in interceptions with 30 of them. He led the league with seven pick sixes. Uh, however, it's easy to forget that he, that he actually led the league with – 501 passing yards he was fifth in touchdown percentage so Jameis Winston while he had a lot of bad fit Bruce Arians air it out downfield system extremely well if he was able to cut down some of his turnovers this is a Tampa Bay team that I think would have improved tremendously it's also a Tampa Bay team that was really unlucky last year they lost six games on by, by one possession or less they were seven and nine last year despite having the eighth most valuable roster according to pro football focus. So it was a very transitional offseason for Tampa Bay. Uh, in addition to bringing in Tom Brady, they also brought back Shaq Barrett, who led the team with sacks last year, actually accounted for 41% of their total sack output. Uh, they, they franchise tagged him as an outside linebacker. They brought back Jason Pierre-Paul, who had eight and a half sacks, which was fourth in the NFL from week eight on. They re-signed Damakung Suh. And they also brought in uh, Colts right tackle Joe Hegg, who's going to compete for that right tackle spot. So 
Uh, there's a lot of optimism for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but it remains to be seen really uh, how the declining effectiveness of Tom Brady will affect this offense. Yeah, seven pick sixes. I didn't even think that was possible. It's crazy that he has more pick sixes than Jason Pierre-Paul has fingers. Totally bonkers <laughs> over there. <laughs> over there. Not, to, not to, you know, shit on Jason Pierre-Paul, but that just seems to be the case. I mean, they bring back Sue, they bring back Pierre-Paul, they bring back Shaq Barrett on, you know, kind of not, not long-term deals. So they're kind of like, their windows, it's a win-now window for them too. It's a win-now window for Atlanta. Carolina could kind of rebuild a little bit, but now they've invested money in McCaffrey. They've invested a lot of money in Bridgewater, so that puts a bit of a clock on them as well. Draft time. It's a big draft, all right? Someone's got to come out on top out of this draft because or else this division's going to eat each other alive. You need Someone's got to come out as the top leader. So we'll go from the back so we can hear from Chris again and work our way back down to the front, ending with the Panthers. Chris, the New Orleans Saints sit there at 24. What's your heart saying? What are you feeling about the Saints doing in the draft this off, this season? Yeah, as we said, since they have Sanders, they don't have to waste it. On a, I guess waste isn't the right word. They don't have to use it yeah. on a wide receiver. Um, I think it's going to kind of depend on uh, – I would go – I would still go win now, right? So if you want to get another defensive guy, maybe get an end if you can. Um, I don't think you're going to need the offensive weapons because if you can plug in somebody along Breeze, they should they should click. Right, that offensive line has been together a long time. They should be cohesive. I would go defense. I'd get somebody to rush the passer, especially in that division. I love Tom, but he's a statue, right? So you're going to be competing against guys that don't move so well. Um, Bridgewater, not exactly ultra mobile. Um, Tom's not mobile, and Ryan can run a little bit, but he's not. He's still a pocket passer. So I would try and get somebody who can get after the quarterback and do it a win now, right? I would go high risk, right? This is your moment. I said this. The next two years is all that matters. If you whiff, so be it. You're rebuilding anyway. Go high risk. Try and get an impact guy that can come off the edge, that can pressure the quarterbacks in your division that don't move. Mm -hmm. Two questions for you there. Uh, Alvin Kamara, will he be moved on draft day or within the the draft days? Yeah, so here's – I wouldn't assuming. So assuming his health is good, right? Yeah. So something was wrong with him last year. Um, I owned him in fantasy and I wanted to blow my brains out every weekend. Could have been worse. So, you could have had Juju Smith-Schuster. Trust me. <laughs> could have had Juju Smith. That's right. So I'm going to assume his health is good, right? I'm going to assume he's right. I'm going to assume he's fine. I'm going to assume he's the dynamic guy that he's going to be. I'm going to keep him around because it's, it's the two year window, right? Mm-hmm. If I think if I think he's not that, if I know something maybe somebody else doesn't, I start putting that out there that like, oh, you know, we can't re-sign all these guys in a year or two. It's going to be too much money. You know, he's lightning in a bottle, and I try and move him, you know, to a different conference in a in a team that's kind of in win now, and see if I can stockpile some draft picks if I do a little Bill Belichick magic, and you know, get some second, third, fourth round guys over the next three years. Mm-hmm. Um, it's information we don't have, right? It all depends to me on his health. If he is healthy, he's too dynamic. You want to win in the next two years. You keep him around. But if you think maybe he's not, I think you can get a ton of value for him if you're savvy because he's got a reputation for being a game breaker. Totally agreed. He's versatile in every aspect of the game. Um, and you'd be it'd be crazy for them to take Jordan Love if he falls at 24. Maybe, yeah. I would think so. Okay. Um, I just – I wouldn't – I wouldn't do anything but focus on this next year or two. Maybe even this next year. You had uh, 14 Pro Bowlers or all Pro players. Uh, you know, I feel like the Saints are almost forgotten about. They're just so con- you know they're just consistently winning 10 games. It's because they haven't had that playoff success uh, despite being there. But um, so I don't close. Think as a, as, yeah, as a longtime Cubs fan, right? <laughs> get to the playoffs. Like if you can compete, I think as a fan base, that's all I want. Right. If I'm a Saints fan, I love seeing Drew Brees suit up. I love seeing those guys go out there and compete. And the fact that they're going to be in it and, and fighting for it is really all you can ask for as a fan. Yeah, they were so close to the Super Bowl until they until they got the receiver was assaulted on that one. It's easily <laughs> yeah, it's like the worst. It was the worst. I hate to be a ref from the couch, but come on, I think we all were that day. Um, great stuff. We'll go down to the 16th pick where the Falcons are sitting pretty. Kind of. They, I'm hearing they might be moving up. Joe, what are you thinking about the Falcons doing over at 16? Yeah, there have been some murmurs about them potentially moving up and specifically targeting Javon Kinlaw, the defensive tackle out of South Carolina, who's arguably been one of the biggest risers during this, this draft process since the Senior Bowl. But 
But besides the, the trade up and what can happen, there's a couple of potential options for them where they're sitting at 16 or if they move up in that 10 to 20 range, if, if that's where they're sitting, their best bet is to go defense and defensively. They had so many problems stopping the pass, whether it was with their secondary, their pass rush, there were a ton of issues for them last year. So like I said, a number of options for them to go this year. I think Javon Kinlaw, like I already brought up, is a really good one. Interior defensive lineman, he is a monster of a human being. Six foot five, 324, does not look like he's 324 pounds compared to Derek Brown, who looks like he's 350. So this guy takes up a ton of space. He's really, really athletic. Great personality coming from a, you know, a, a difficult background. So you know he works extremely hard, but he's not going to create uh, pressure in the sense of getting you sacks. He's just going to cause problems in the middle of your defense, take up attention from the centers and guards in the interior and allow guys like Dante Fowler to tee off and get sacks, do their job, what they're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Another option for them is Caleb on chase on. If they want to go edge, they can get him edge uh, rusher out of LSU. Another very talented guy. He's a little bit more of a pure pass rusher. Not really built well to be a a run defender off of the outside, but still talented guy that you can use as an outside linebacker. You can line him up in a stand-up position on the outside and use him purely in pass rush situations. And like we were, you were just talking about with the Saints that in in this conference, you need to be able to get after the quarterback. You got good guys, but none of them are really overly athletic. And they're easy to wrap up and take down. So you need a good player. Chase on could be an option. And then the final one, and I think that if he's on the board and available at 16, CJ Henderson has to be the pick. If you look at what they have right now at corner, Isaiah Oliver is the only notable guy coming back, and he did not have a good year last year. He's still young, he's still developing, he's got a lot of positive traits, but he's not there yet. You need to bring in another playmaker. They didn't sign any corners or notable ones, rather in free agency they got rid of desmond trufant cj henderson is a long rangy corner long arms very very athletic he can track and play with number one receivers he has that type of potential a lot of uh, teams have been or not teams rather analysts have been saying that he's not very aggressive he doesn't like to tackle he's a bit soft but if we're talking about in terms of value and what you need your corners to do you don't need him to stop the run you need him to cover number one corner uh, receivers you need him to do his job. You need to be good in man, all that good stuff. I think Henderson is also a great option. Yeah, if they want him, it looks like they have to move up and get him, though. He probably will be picked in the top 13. He's, I mean, I'm hearing that a lot of people yeah. have him. Some, Not a lot, but some people do have him higher than Okuda, which is pretty crazy to think considering how much buzz Okuda is getting. Uh, and as a Patriots fan, I could tell you firsthand the most important person in our dynasty outside of Gronk and Brady was Vince Wolfork, and it was a guy that could clog the middle right there and allow for the guys around him to be better. It's just super important getting those guards and centers taken care of on that defensive front. So Kinlaw would be an amazing pick. It's just can they, can mm-hmm. you drop? Can you afford to wait for him to drop potentially? Or do you go up and get him or Derek Brown? Because both those guys are probably going to be top 12 picks. Buccaneers sit over there at 14. What are you thinking, Sam? Yeah, there's there's a lot that this Buccaneers, Buccaneers team still needs, despite uh, the offseason prize, like we mentioned earlier, uh, with Tom Brady. The number one biggest need I would pick for Tampa Bay has to be that right tackle position. As I mentioned earlier, they did sign Joe Hegg, uh, who did not start a game for the Colts last year, but he did play in all 16, and he can uh, play both guard positions and center as well. So this is a nice depth piece for Bruce Sarians, but uh, Tampa Bay needs to be able to protect Tom Brady, as Chris mentioned uh, earlier, you know, he is not, the, he never was the most mobile guy, but he's certainly not the most mobile guy. Now, Tom Brady needs time to throw. And with the low A dot numbers and his declining arm strength. Now uh, there's only so many things they can do uh, creatively to get the ball out of his hands quickly. They are going to need to protect him. So I do think that the bucks are going to want one of these top four offensive tackles in the draft. Uh, Andrew Thomas of Georgia, Jedrick Wills, Jr. of Alabama, Makai Becton of Louisville and my personal favorite, Tristan Wirfs of Iowa. All four of those guys are projected to go in the top 15. Uh, so if Tampa is unable to land one of those top four and, and they're not able to sneak a trade to get up uh, in position to get one of those four, I see them trading back to try to collect some assets to try to build a more collective team around this. I've seen a lot of them trading back uh, with the Minnesota Vikings at the 20th, I believe 22nd pick. 
they also need a running back. I don't think Ronald Jones has been nearly as complete of a back as they thought he would be coming out of Southern Cal a few years ago. They need a pass-catching running back to compete with Ari Ogunbowale, uh, and it's going to be a long, long road for them. I think they need, uh, you know, not only a running back, they've been linked to Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, they've been linked to DeAndre Swift of Georgia. Um, so there's, there's a need for a running back, and there's also a need for multiple offensive linemen, including a starting caliber right tackle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it looks like it's still at 14. They may have to move up, especially if it's a right tackle. Wills fits the bill, and the Cardinals having DJ Humphreys at left tackle sit there at eight. So you may have to jump the Cardinals and go to that seventh spot where the Carolina Panthers sit. Taylor, what are you thinking the Panthers do over there at seven? Well, defense, defense, defense. I mean, everything from the line to the secondary. There are so many holes on this defense right now. And uh, this coaching staff knows that. They have taken this time in free agency, and they have made a lot of moves offensively. If you look at the roster right now, there's about 10 wide receivers. They have brought in so many guys and and a lot of one-year deals, young guys with potential that they want to help mold with this offensive scheme with Teddy Bridgewater, really unique right there. But when you look at the draft, all eyes are on the defense. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that that seven pick, they're looking at Derek Brown. And obviously the Auburn grad in me is incredibly hype about that. But this is a guy who is very, like you mentioned, that size is there, but his agility and his his ability to change direction as quickly as he does is what's really surprising people. And I think mm-hmm. that this coaching staff is really intrigued by him because he's a rare skill set. And I think he could make an impact really early for them. And you put him out there along with KK Short, and I really think they could be effective to kind of clog that middle. Obviously, if Isaiah Simmons fell and was still available at seven, I think they would they would grab him because this is a team that had major defensive success because of a rare breed at linebacker in Luke Keekley. So you look at a guy like Isaiah Simmons, who has that ability to kind of play all over the field, like he did at Clemson. And I think they would be really intrigued to kind of see what he could become for this defense. Now that they have lost so much of, of their staples on that side, but Realistically, I would assume it's going to be Derek Brown. I think at least the first two rounds of picks for the Panthers team are going to be defense. I think later on, you might could see them start uh, looking into what quarterbacks are still available. If Tua fell that far, if, if Jalen Hurts was still available, because Teddy, it, Teddy's a guy that they see a lot of potential in, but it, it's not a long-term situation. They're also realistic about the fact that this could be a several year rebuild Rome wasn't built in a day and they're not trying to fool anyone that this year is going to be everything so when you're looking at long term Teddy may not be the guy and so do you start to try and invest in someone early and have them work under Teddy I wouldn't be surprised if you saw that but this defense is going to be a priority for this team in the draft like I said earlier this defense gave up the most rushing touchdowns in the league last year. They also gave up the most yards per carry. And when you look over the years, anytime the Panthers have made it to the playoffs, they are led by a hard-nosed front seven. And and as many great guys as were on the field last year, they couldn't get it done. So that is the top priority of this coaching staff. And, and if I had to guess, I would say Derek Brown goes at seven. You think they maybe trade back? If they don't, let's say they, let's say they, let's say that's an option. Because I'm, I'm with you. I think Derek yeah. Brown's a guy at seven. Uh, or if Akuda or Simmons falls, then it kind of throws a monkey wrench into that. But I think you have to have a guy in the front seven that causes that havoc. And we're all pretty high on Brown and guys like Kinlaw. Do you think it's possible they move back? Is it possible that Matt Rule does something crazy in his first draft and goes Big 12 and takes CeeDee Lamb at seven? I saw someone say that. That was wild. I think it's possible. Look, at this point, anytime I think this front office and coaching staff isn't going to do something, they surprise me. So mm-hmm. I don't think I can say one way or another. I think if they did trade back and, and try and get a few more picks out of this draft, I wouldn't be surprised if they invest in the O-line. I think there's several guys that they have their eyes on, even coming out of the SEC, Wills from Alabama, Thomas from Georgia. I think there's a few guys that they would really like to put around Teddy that – Teddy's a guy who could be really affected, but that blind side's going to have to be protected. Yeah. And I- I'm not entirely sure what they've got right now. We lost Trey Turner. We brought in Russell Okun, which I do think is a good get. But if they slid backwards, I think they would be doing so with the O-line in mind. 
Mm-hmm, yeah, Okung's got a bit of a health concern too. Um, and then yeah. before we go to the next question, Sam, I wanted to quickly address something that I didn't address with you. You mentioned that the Buccaneers are possibly trading down, and that's always interesting to me because for someone to trade down, that means someone has to want to trade up because we always hear the Giants are going to trade down, the Lions are going to trade down, but that means someone wants sure. to trade to the four or the three. I haven't heard anything about the Vikings wanting to trade to the fourteenth. It kind of does make sense. Do you, where where mm-hmm. are you hearing that, and uh, what do you think? What do you see the Vikings kind of doing over there? And the, if the if the Buccaneers drop back, do they still go offensive tackle? Sure. Yeah, no, that's a great question. And I think it's kind of to try to get in front of a couple of teams that are, are very wide receiver needy. Yeah, uh, as it's been very well documented. This is one of the richest, if not the richest uh, wide receiver class in the history of the league. There are some incredible quality wide receivers in this year's class, but there are some really wide receiver needy teams as well. Uh, you're talking about the Las Vegas Raiders. We're saying that at number 12. Uh, you have the 49ers, of course, who acquire the pick from the Colts in that trade. They're at 13. They're looking at receivers. And then the Broncos at 15 are also all looking at receivers. So what I'm hearing is that the Vikings would try to get in front of any of those teams to try to get one of these top three receivers, Henry Ruggs, Jerry Judy, and C.D. Lamb. Hopefully, uh, if if one of those three are available, that is great news for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because teams are going to try to get in front of those teams uh, to get one of those receivers. Nice. Nice. Great stuff. All right, next question. We've been very positive Quickly, just to delve into the negative just slightly, what is one off-season move you wished your team made or an off-season move that they made you were disappointed in? One move that you wish they made or that were disappointed in? Taylor, you finished last time, so we'll start with you at the Panthers. One thing that you were disappointed about this off-season with the Panthers, let's just say outside of releasing Cam Newton and losing Luke Kuechly. Ah, oh, shoot. Um... Oh my goodness, you really put me on the spot. I've I've honestly been, you know, it's been interesting in free agency, and Matt Rule addressed this in a recent interview he did. For a team that's completely rebuilding and is being given a lot of challenges, look, the situation Matt Rule has found himself in was going to be difficult without this global pandemic. Now mm. you throw that in there, and this guy can't be around his new staff, new team, new guys who have never worked together before. Like, he is in a very difficult position right now. And so I kind of thought some of the free agency gets I, at least one. I expected a bigger name. I, I expected a bigger splash and, and kind of somebody that you knew a lot more about than mm-hmm. what they've gotten. But he said that that was intentional. He didn't want to do that. He's got a lot of faith and got, we know now what they were intending to do with Christian McCaffrey. That was in the back of their mind. They really wanted to form something around Teddy Bridgewater. I really like that one. Um, the backup quarterback situation is maybe a, a worry point for me. They brought in PJ Walker, which I think is interesting. Yeah, He's a totally. guy that played in the XFL. And so I think th- there's uniqueness there, but again, we just don't know enough. We haven't seen enough. And I think for a coaching staff that has, you know, a lot of college background and they're, they're starting anew, it's unique to me that they don't have a lot of guys that you really have all that confidence in even with the new names that have come in you still feel like there's a lot of question marks so mm-hmm. uh, I, I guess that would be my only thing I actually think the Cam Newton move was the right move I think I'm nice. part of the minority in that one but I do I, I felt like it was what they had to do the reality is as amazing as Cam once was he hasn't been that in years and for a coaching staff that's having to make their best educated guess rely on film they don't have anything of Cam as of late. So I actually thought that was a good move. I like the Teddy Bridgewater move, and I like them keeping Christian McCaffrey. I guess, if anything, I would have brought in a few more guys that had a little bit more of a resume. Mm-hmm. A little bit more pedigree. The loss of Cam's wardrobe, though, that's going to be a huge uh, something to <laughs> I know, right? But I think, I think we're all in agreement. As they say in Carolina, the chickens came to roost for Cam Newton. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think they and were again as the Auburn grad. It, it hurts. I know, me to say I that, know, I know. I think, I think his time was up. Rough year for Cam. His his unpassable season was finally passed by Joe Burrow too. Rough one there. But again, yeah. he's a legend. Hopefully, he bounces back and falls on his feet. Buccaneers. Yeah. One move you wish they made over there in Tampa that they didn't, or a move that you didn't love so much. I can't really find a, a particular move that I, I didn't love. Or they kind of crushed it. I, I, I know. <laughs> they had a great offseason. Uh, I think one thing that, that you know, left, left some people to be desired is their backup quarterback situation. Of course, Tom Brady has only been injured that one year. 
Um, but he's always had an incredible offensive line. He's always had a very smart, schematically strong uh, offensive scheme in place. Uh, he's not going to have that anymore. He's not going to have the Patriots offensive line to protect him. This Tampa Bay offensive line gave up the second most sacks in the NFL last year, 47, which is just one behind the NFL lead. Um, so I wish they would have probably brought in a stronger competitor at right tackle, which we talked about. They probably will address the draft. I do think they probably needed a stronger backup quarterback. They brought in Blaine Gabbert, whose career journeyman. So both those things are the two real biggest weaknesses, I think, in the team. One thing that really hurts Tampa Bay and is in right in time here with this coronavirus pandemic, uh, you talk a lot about, uh, you know, the Tom Brady bump. When LeBron James signed with the Lakers, a lot of players took veteran minimums to play with him. Uh, when Peyton Manning signed in 2012 with the Denver Broncos, within a year, Demarcus Ware was there, Keith Talib was there, Emmanuel yeah. Sanders was there. A lot of players, a lot of very good players that have never either played or won a Super Bowl took discounts to play with Peyton Manning, and a lot of people around the league expected the same thing to happen with Tom Brady. But with the uncertainty, I don't blame any players for taking uh, the best opportunity that presents itself, the most money that presents itself, and that was the main inhibitor of really uh, you know, winning the offseason even more than Tampa Bay already did. Yeah, and at the end of the day, you still have to, outside of the Saints, you still have to go through the Niners, the Packers. We'll see how the Bears bounce back. Even if you go through all those guys, Pat Mahomes is sitting there waiting pretty for you in the Super Bowl. Uh, We'll go to the Falcons, something you didn't love for them this offseason. Yeah, as soon as you said, and you were asking for us to come up with a move that we didn't love, I came up with one immediately that I hated. And, Ooh, and that humble, was humble brag great. right there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it's a brag. It's more so I just I, – when you – this move astonished me that they when they made it. It was one of the early moves that they traded for tight end Hayden Hurst from the Baltimore Ravens. They sent a second and a fifth, got to Hayden Hurst and a fourth rounder for him. And Hayden Hurst has not lived up to the first round billing. He's an older tight end in his second year. Um, he is 26 years old, almost 27. Ancient. And in two seasons, yeah, pretty much ancient. And in two seasons, um, he has only accumulated 512 yards and three touchdowns. So that really just does not seem like good production to me for a, a tight end that you're sending a second round pick for. Forget the fifth round pick he sent for that. Uh, that was a part of the deal. A second rounder is a lot to give up for a draft pick in the NFL. This isn't mm-hmm. the NBA where a second round pick sometimes doesn't even make your roster. You can get some really good quality players. And you have I to understand. want to compete. Yeah, exactly. And I understand that this year's tight end class is easily the worst class that we've seen in a while. And it's the weakest in this, uh, in this whole draft, but I don't think Hayden Hurst is the answer. I think you could have done better in the draft, taking somebody in the third or the fourth round than trading for Hayden Hurst. Mm, I'm tough. I'm, I'm iffy on that one. If I may say he's a moderator. Um, it's, it's tough because you know, he's, he's only in his second, third year right now. And you do have an mm-hmm. extra second round pick from the Muhammad Sanu trade. So maybe use that as you go get Hayden Hurst because the rest of the tight end class is weak, but it, the production isn't there and he hasn't lived up to no. the billing. It's a tough call. Chris, what didn't you love about the Saints offseason, if anything? Yeah, I'm picking nits here. Uh, and I said it at the top. You they, did. Paid Andrews P- they paid Andrews Pete too much money. $33 million guaranteed, even for a guy that can play a couple positions on the offensive line and, and knows the guys he's playing against is, is too much money. Um, I think if you can save a little bit there, you might be able to extend this two-year window to the third year. Yeah. I think if the roster's intact and you add add a guy or two, I think Breeze can be convinced to come back. He's been durable. Uh, he clearly loves to play, loves the city, loves his coach. Uh, I think you might be able to squeeze another year out if you don't do that. The second thing they should have done, and maybe they did do this, and I just don't know, and this goes for every team, for the Bucks, the Panthers, and the Falcons, is each and every single GM should be texting and calling Bill O'Brien every hour on the hours <laughs> to see if he wants to give some players away or, you know, a car he's not using or just get, get some free stuff from Bill O'Brien. I have a tryout next week for free safety. Yeah. I haven't played since middle school, but he said he was down <laughs> to give me a shot and take a look. Yeah. Uh, somebody, somebody, take the keys away from Bill. It's, right. uh, it's getting embarrassing. It's a, it's, it's, I hate working from home is not for everyone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Great point. All right, uh, next question. It's a big one right here. Kind of loaded question. I want a hot take for the draft for every team. So give me a hot take, and then give me a hot take for the season coming up. All right, hot take for the draft, and a hot take for the season coming up. It could be as hot as you want. This is our sixth one. I've heard scorching takes. 
fresh out of the oven. People have had to leave the room takes. So go for it, Chris. We'll start with you. Uh, I feel like it's a good place to start. Hot take for the draft for the Saints. Hot take for the NFL season for the Saints coming up. Figure out a way to get in touch with Dan Snyder. Again, in kind of the Bill O'Brien mold. Trade Kamara. Trade what you got to do. Get Chase Daniels and destroy every quarterback in your division 10 million times. Chase Young? Go go and get Chase, Chase Young. Young. Yeah, Chase oh my Sorry, Chase. I mean, I'm thinking about how much I hate Bears quarterbacks. And yeah, Chase it's on your mind, yeah. Uh, yeah, get get Chase Young. Do something completely radical. Not the score, uh, obviously, this is uh, a little bit weird given your offense. Um, but I just it, – it'd be something I'd love to watch, right? Mm, it would be like totally. watching a circus. I can't even imagine him chasing after the quarterbacks in that division. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'd be, that would be awesome. What's a hot take you got for the Saints for the season? I wish I could say so. I think they're going to win the division, and I think they're going to win it by three games. Um, I think uh, all they have to do is stay healthy and play football. I, th- I just think it's it's a machine at this point. It's the same guys, you know, for the past three, four, five years on that team. Totally. Um, if they stay, it's it's you know, I, you hate to couch it with this, but all they have to do is stay healthy, and I think it happens. Uh, I think Brady is going to be fine. I think the Bucks will be in the wild card, and I think the Falcons and the Panthers are kind of in rebuild mode and i think it's i think they should cruise to a division title interesting not cruise cruise control for division title all right yep. two scorching takes i'll go get my fire extinguisher we'll, we'll go to the <laughs> fa- we'll go to the falcons up next hot take for the draft hot take for the division and the falcons going forward it's hard to deliver a hot take after i opened the draft conversation with what we were talking about and then possibly trading up to 10 because that's that's a pretty big move that to is a big move, move. for a defense defensive tackle but I think that they could go even crazier than that. They could move up to eight potentially to maybe go after Derek Brown, or maybe they think Javon Kinlaw will be gone by then. I could very much see a complete move up into the top 10 picks wow. um, by the Falcons because like all the teams in this division, except maybe the Carolina Panthers, they've tried to be in win now. They just haven't had those, those dynamic pieces, those absolute playmakers at various positions of, of desperate need. And going up, moving up, and taking one of the best 10 players in the draft is going to be a way of, of securing that. And that goes into my hot take for the season. I think that this team, if, if they draft appropriately, they've always done a good job of drafting, and they've always found uh, ways to get rookies onto the field into contributing ways. You know, Keanu Neal had a really good rookie season. Deion Jones, Deion Jones yeah. had a really, a really good rookie season. I think if they have that type of a draft, which, again, we've seen them do it before, I could see them being the second best team in this division, and I could see them making the wild card. They're probably not going to beat out a team like the Saints, but I think that the Falcons have could have some more juice than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers could. Nice. Panthers. Man, you stumped me here. I, I mean, I think the draft is go – I think they're going to stay at seven. Uh, I think they will end up with either Brown, Simmons – Okuda, depending on how that all shapes up in the first seven, but I think they're going to stay there because they they need that playmaker. Mm-hmm. They need that big piece to this puzzle, and I think they're going to protect it however they can. I also I, I expect them to end up with another quarterback. I, I know that they they like PJ Walker. Matt Rule has a, a background with him. Actually, he coached him at Temple, but I don't think he's necessarily the backup. And we saw last year backups could end up being critical. Yes, so I totally. think they're going to end up with someone there. A hot take for the season, I I think it's going to be an improvement from last year. I don't think it's going to be the season that Panthers fans are very eager for. I think McCaffrey's going to have another stellar season. I think he will once again find himself in the MVP conversation. And I also think there's going to end up being a surprise standout on the offensive side of the ball, whether it's DJ Moore or Curtis Samuel or even Ian Thomas, which is a a young tight end. I think there's going to be somebody that – takes this opportunity of franchise guys no longer being there and and rises to the challenge. I think the defense is going to be a slow and steady build, but I think there will be some surprises on offense, especially being molded by a guy like Joe Brady. DJ Moore is wicked close. He's right there. I mean, he, he's, a, he's a baller, man. He, he's Yeah. He could take the next step. He came step into his own guy. last year. Totally. I agree. Totally. All right, Bucks. Give me the super. Surprisingly, going back to DJ Moore, he actually just turned 23 yesterday. So what? One of the youngest uh, third-year players. Dang it! No, he was really wow. young coming out of Maryland. So, no Hayden Hurst. Uh, <laughs> definitely, <laughs> definitely no Hayden Hurst. He did not play professional baseball before no. uh, going back to college football. Um, hot take for the drafts. I think the Bucks are going to be the first team to take a running back in this year's draft. 
If you ask Tom Brady, who's his favorite running back to play with in his career, he will unequivocally tell you it was James White, who I think should have won MVP in the Super Bowl against the Falcons. He's a smart running back. He was slow and steady in the beginning of his career, but has proven over time, you're nodding your head, of course, as a Patriots fan, uh, to be an invaluable asset to Tom Brady. Dirty. And I think that the Buccaneers are going to take another Wisconsin running back in Jonathan Taylor, who I think is clearly the best running back in this year's class. No disrespect to Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. No disrespect to Cam Akers. No disrespect to DeAndre Sift or any of the other stellar running backs in this year's class. Jonathan Taylor just put together the best three-year run of any running back in the history of college football. It's ridiculous. He was not without winning the Heisman. Crazy. With, yeah. with not even being invited to New York yeah. to participate in the Heisman ceremony. Yeah. Jonathan Taylor had an amazing career. He improved as both a pass blocker and a pass receiver last year. He is clearly the class this year, I think, in running backs. I do think Tampa Bay misses out on those top four right tackles if they're not able to trade up, which means they will have to trade back, and I think they're going to end up taking someone they will not regret in Jonathan Taylor. Now, my hot take for the season and beyond – I do think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, surprisingly, are going to regret signing Tom Brady. How can they possibly regret that signing? Potentially the best player in the history of the NFL. Well, as discussed previously before, guys, Tom Brady will turn 43 before this season begins, okay? Now, I don't know what kind of deals he's made with the devil. We know he's got his crazy eating habits. The inflammation is down. He eats avocado ice cream. <laughs> Life is very good in the Brady household. However, in my mind, this is a one-year window to win the Super Bowl. He signed a two-year, fully guaranteed $50 million deal. If they win the Super Bowl this year and he absolutely melts down in the 2021 season, no big deal. You have no regrets. However, if they don't win the Super Bowl this year, and as we've discussed, this is a difficult division. I don't think they're going to prance right into the playoffs as a lot of people think they will. They're going to regret it because then you have a 44-year-old quarterback, the likes we've never seen before in the NFL, making $25 million if he gets injured or if he's ineffective. The, the Bucks are already 30th in cap room total in the NFL, and it's not going to get any better paying Tom Brady that kind of money. So I'm looking at it this way. If they don't win the Super Bowl this year, they should regret signing Tom Brady, and I don't think they're going to win the Super Bowl this year. Win or bust like that one. I will say on him failing, though, look at that jawline, man. That guy's not failing <laughs> anytime soon. Not it's, too, it's just had, too strong. It's, that's, that's how we've been going as Patriots fans over here. Guys, really awesome stuff. Um, before we uh, let you guys rock and roll, Y'all filled in admirably. This is not your first thing to cover. We have two betting Los Angeles guys. We have an Auburn and a gymnast over there for the Believe Network. And then we have the FCS. So we have to go into your realms just a little bit. Uh, Joe, who's the first FCS player taken this year in the draft? There's two potential options here. And the first one being Jeremy Chin uh, from Southern Illinois. I actually had him on the FCS podcast in He's right now in that day two range, but there's enough steam for him to maybe be a late first round pick. Peter Schrager had him go to the Patriots at 23 in uh, uh, in his latest mock draft. So he's very, very talented, huge safety, 6'3", 220, closing speed, just such rare attributes. Mm -hmm. He's the nephew of Steve Atwater, too. You can really see that comparison. Uh, other one, too, though, Adam Troutman also came on the FCS show, uh, tight end from Dayton. I think, in my opinion, he's the best tight end in this year's class, but nobody wants to admit it because he's coming from a really, really tiny school. Mm -hmm. uh, athletic guy, playmaker, can turn a, you know, a, a five-yard in or whatever, and a, a small route into a 20-yard gain if he has the room. Great. Love that. Taylor, we'll go to you. Who gets drafted? Who's the first Auburn player taken after Derek Brown? <laughs> you had to trip me up there. <laughs> I think his his good friend Marlon Davidson is is going to be a guy that really uh, surprises people at the next level. I think he's he's probably a second round pick if I had to guess. But mm -hmm. I also am going to keep my eye on cornerback Noah Igbenogany. This is someone who's really been catching eyes since season ended, and I think he's he's going to find himself in a really good fit. And he's going to contribute in a really unique way. But I, I would say Marlon will probably be next after Derek. Great, and you already answered my second question, which is how do you say Noah's last name? Right off the tongue. I was like, someone asked me that the other day, and I was like, yeah, I've heard it a million times. And just, I'm not going to bother. I got you. Thank you, girl. <laughs> uh, moving on to the LA guys. Hopefully you have different answers. We'll see if you guys agree. Who has a better record next year, the Chargers or the Rams? Chris. Chargers. Wow. Big turnaround. What about you, Sam? Yes, I will also take the Chargers. I think they're going to have a, an excellent defense next year. It's a much more 
winnable division than people would like to admit. Yes, the, the, the Chiefs, of course, are defending Super Bowl champions. Uh, but the Raiders and Broncos are both rebuilding teams. Both of them could take the next step next year. Um, but a lot of people don't like to admit it. But Teron Taylor is not a bad quarterback. We'll see who they get in the draft here. But this Chargers team were really down here last year. But they're a talented roster. It seems like we've been repeating that every year for the last 20 years or so. Uh, but if I had to take a, a choice between those two, I would pick the Chargers as well. Love it, guys. Finishing the NFC South the only way we can with the AFC West. Awesome stuff by everyone involved. Awesome stuff by everyone involved. Chris, back to you. Like you started us off. Where can I, where else can we find you, my man? Uh, you can follow at StagCap on Twitter. Uh, that's my uh, buddies and I were uh, involved kind of in value betting. So we don't try and pick winners. We try and pick value, all mathematic based. Nice. And I am at Lou L E W Mandingo Rock. If you want to follow me, you'll see some food posts recently. Um, that's what we've been talking about. Nice. Joe? Uh, you can follow me at Joe DeLeon. Pretty simple. Last name spelled D-E-L-E-O-N-E. It's the same for Twitter and Instagram. Lovely. Taylor? You can follow me at Taylor Beth Davis. When you have a common name like Taylor Davis, you have to include the middle name. <laughs> so Taylor Beth Davis, Twitter and Instagram. And believe in everything Auburn for Auburn University and believe in gymnastics, talking all about college and elite gymnastics. And last but not least, Sam. Last but not least, and I just want to thank you guys all for your time today. This was a lot of fun. Good, I'm uh, glad. You can follow me on Twitter at smaxwell713. Uh, you can obviously follow the exploits of Chris and Sam on Believe in Betting Los Angeles. We break down all things betting with a, a, a specific lens to Los Angeles, but right now, obviously, we're just talking nothing as we yep. try to fill the air. <laughs> uh, we had on Dave Mason at Bet Online yesterday. That was a really interesting conversation. Nice. Uh, they're doing whatever they can, of course, to get action in front of viewers' eyes. Uh, they have a baloney eating contest tomorrow, I believe, and uh, the NFL draft. We're, we're all very excited for that next week. So you can, you can find all of that on Believe in Betting LA. Awesome, guys. And I'm Joshua Fisher, and you can follow me at your own risk. Uh, amazing stuff, y'all. Great time with you guys. More to come soon after the draft and in the season. Fans out there, thanks for listening. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube